This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by 10,000, makers of high-quality, super-comfortable training shorts. 10,000 is offering NMA Radio listeners 15% off your first purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and enter code NOMEAT to receive 15% off. That's T-E-N-thousand.cc and enter code NOMEAT. This episode is also brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com slash no meat to get 40% off your first order and a free gift. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. And I feel like we should go ahead and address the uh, elephant in the room before we do our, our happy holidays and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's the, this episode, we had promised this episode, part two, uh, before the holidays. And, and now here we are on January 6th when this is really, will be released, and we're just getting it out. <laughs> yep. I know. We, uh, now and then we make a promise that we don't keep. This one, <laughs> this one it was not really our fault. We had little control over this one. Uh, found out. Found out once we had already gone off on vacations that uh, the episode was the file was corrupted. Uh, well, most of it we saved we saved the first maybe third of it or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so now we are finally back. Everyone's back home from their holidays and uh, back to work, and we we're re-recording the the lost bit. So we'll never know what was what was funny in the intro of that <laughs> one. I, I recall that it was about Christmas movies, and I said I had watched a handful since last night, and you thought mm-hmm. that was funny, because who watches a handful of Christmas movies in one day? <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't remember anything else about the intro. Yep. I, I don't either, except maybe, I don't know if it was this one or uh, or the one before that, where we where we kind of decided that we were going to have a spinoff podcast that was dedicated exclusively to Christmas movies. Um, <laughs> Did we do that? <laughs> I don't know. You, you said it might be a good idea, I think. Oh, um, okay. I actually thought, a long time ago, I thought of that, but then I thought, uh, I thought we kind of missed the boat now, now that Christmas movies are popular. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy holidays. Well, I guess uh, before we say that, um, so what we're going to do here is is pick up after this intro, we're going to pick up with the section that we were able to save of this of the original recording, and then <laughs> seamlessly, without anyone noticing, transition into uh into a new recording and, and hopefully it's not too awkward of an experience for the listener i don't think it will be no uh, but happy happy new year yes happy new year one of the best holidays one of the best times of year i think this the december into january time when it when it all seems so much possibility before mm-hmm. it has a chance to you know life actually get in the way of everything else but uh yeah good time for now for sure I kicked my New Year off exhausted, jet-lagged, and uh, dealing with kids who were also jet-lagged, but you uh-huh. kicked off your New Year uh, in, in fine form. I did. Uh, my wife Erin and I ran a race. It was a five-hour loop course. They usually do like 12, 6, and 3-hour races, like like a typical you know loop race, timed race, mm-hmm. um, but for whatever reason, daylight stuff, they, they decided this year not to do that, so they shortened everything, so it was 10, 5, and 3. Uh, or no, ten five and two, and uh, we did the five hour, thinking that it was like a nice way to to start a new year. And also for me, thinking like I had because I didn't I didn't train at all like you would for an ultra. My longest runs were like a, a the half marathon out in out in San Francisco, the Spartan race, and I did a nine miler and I did a ten k. I mean, I didn't did not do long runs basically. As I said, I wasn't going to. Um, and so this was kind of the first test of like uh, just just do long runs on race day and see how that goes. Uh, and 
it was nice for me to do a loop thing like this because then I knew that if it was just a total disaster, you know, I could stop and have gotten in a two hour run or something and wouldn't feel like I failed. It just feel like I, I learned. Um, <laughs> but it worked out fine. And, and I ended up, I covered 28 miles, which is nothing special for, for, uh, five hours. But, um, given how, how things, you know, that I hadn't really trained as, as running anyway, I'd done all this kettlebell work, but not much running except for some short speed workouts. Um, it worked out well and it, and it happened to be good enough for third place among men. And then my wife, Erin got third place in the women's category, which was, uh, which was really neat. You know, I'm not, I don't usually win stuff, especially not and nothing beyond age group awards. So just like for the right. all men, uh, and that wasn't a huge race. It was probably like 30 people registered, but, mm-hmm. uh, still felt good to, you know, it was a nice, nice thing for me to feel like this fitness is working or this kettlebell stuff has made me strong and durable and I didn't have any injury issues. Yep. And uh, and kind of exciting to think about this going further with this idea of like training with you know, primarily like doing doing lots of running and fitness, but not long runs, which I'm just like, I'm just not going to do long runs. I just can't imagine doing more long runs. Uh, so it's nice to imagine that maybe I can keep doing some fun races without having to do long runs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations. That, uh, that had to have felt good just to get a big race, you know, a big high mileage day under your yeah. belt. Exactly. For the first time in a long time. Yeah, and and a good way to start the new year. That was really the the whole point mm-hmm. of this thing was like, I don't know, like it, that's a. Uh, as much as I like New Year's, I've never thought about doing something like that. Like I like to sit around and drink coffee all morning and think about goals and read books and do all that. So it was a very different way to uh, to spend New Year's Day, but uh, I liked it because because last year, as this this little podcast mini series is about, fitness turned out to be kind of a surprise big part of my life. And uh, it was a cool way to to start a new year with a with a fitness related thing. I uh, I guess it was maybe the second or something. Um, I did a marathon disc golf day. Did oh, I tell okay. You about this? No, what did that entail? Oh, I saw, I saw you said you got six rounds in. I didn't realize that was all one day. Uh, no, I got three rounds in one day. Three ah, okay. three rounds on individual days, and then uh, did had a big day where I did three courses in one day. Uh, and it was fantastic. It was, oh. it was so good. Yeah. It took up all day. And, um, and Katie just handled the jet lag kids that day. Yeah. Yeah. We, we each gave each other a day after okay. we got home, right. Uh, to, to kind of do something, uh, fun before we got back to the grind. And, um, and, <clears throat> and she did, you know, had a very productive day hiking and doing all this other stuff. And I, I played three rounds with a couple of buddies and, uh, it was, it was just super fun. It was, I don't know. It was nice to, um, do something different, but for like a long time instead of like trying to rush in a, a, yeah. a game of something. How long does a typical round of disc golf take? It's like yeah, real like, golf, or it takes four hours. Oh no, no, like maybe an hour and a half or so, okay. and then you know, and then traveling between the, the three courses and uh, stopping for lunch and a beer and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so it was cool. an all day event, but yeah, Very it was nice. really fun. Yeah, that is good. That was New Year's Day. No, that was uh, I think it was the second. Oh, okay, gotcha. Cool. Very nice. Uh, good. Well, I hope people are excited about the new year. You know what, I Doug? I never made... I don't want to extend this too long because we can talk about New Year's later, but I never really made any any New Year's resolution mm. uh, or even goals. I just kind of ended up thinking a lot about stuff, and I was like, this is how I kind of want to spend this year, but I didn't end up saying, like, I commit to this or this. Or, I don't know. Just I don't. I keep thinking maybe I'll revisit it, but I, I think more likely I'll just, well, I'll just be happy with what I did. I, I mean, I reviewed a lot of stuff like I did. I wrote down all my wins and losses for the year and thought about things and just took a different format this time. I like it. Yeah, we did. I, I did. Um, I kind of have one, a very loose one. 
Okay. Even looser than we have in previous years where we said that was too loose or, or very mm-hmm. loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, so my, my kind of New Year's, um, I want to say it's a mantra, maybe more than a resolution. How about that? Okay. Uh, I want to bring more fun into everything that I do. And, uh, and by, what, by that, what I mean is instead of taking like training super seriously or nutrition super seriously, just uh, add a little bit more creativity, add a little bit more uh, adventure and excitement and kind of try new things and try new sports and, uh, you, you know, not, not, not really um, think, put myself in any boxes and, and have a little bit of fun uh, just doing kind of different things. And, and that might mean if it's running related, it might mean kind of signing up for a different style race than I would have done before. Um, or if it's, uh, if, you know, just fitness, uh, other than that, like, you know, a full day disc golf or, or a big, um, uh, I'm going to organize a, a basketball game with a bunch of my buddies at night, uh, mm-hmm. cause we got new lights on the basketball courts down here. And, um, you know, so that, that kind of thing, just like try to add a little bit more fun and excitement into, into things and see how that goes. I like it. Very nice. And you know, actually that's, that's not so different from uh, my thinking we may have even talked about this before it seems like we're always on the same page with with new year's stuff maybe that's because we talked about it leading <laughs> yeah. up to it uh-huh. uh but uh yeah but one of the things i identified that i wanted to do differently this year was kind of just experience and create a lot more joy for mm. for myself and for other people as well just because i felt like the whole year went by and like it just it was just a weird kind of stressful year with buying a house moving to an apartment it was just like i was always like doing something that was like had to get done that day and didn't didn't really have a lot of time or make a lot of time for you know just just enjoying myself and helping other people do themselves so that was i said i want my mindset to be different this year and that was really kind of as, as formal as it got so interesting that we're on the same track there uh perhaps we'll revisit something something new year's related but uh yep don't know my family does have a, a, a real concrete goal, which we can share later in another date, if, if that makes okay. more sense, or I can do it now. What do you think? Let's see. I did the year, but I think we should think we should okay. move on, and we'll talk about New Year's in a, in a All next All right. Episode. So with that, we're going to jump into part two of this uh, two-part series, and the fifth, or I guess I, guess I don't even need to say it, because I probably just will copy it over from, <laughs> from the original <laughs> recording. Right. I don't know if... if where we copy is going to give an intro, a background of what this episode is. We kind of touched on it at the beginning here that we were, this was a continuation of the first thing. Um, the idea was I made these huge kind of unexpected fitness changes all throughout 2021, uh, starting really close to when I turned 40, just a week before 2021 started and, uh, kind of just covered how, how the whole process went. So part one was really about the mindset of it. Um, the, the changing of a habit, the, how do you think about a large goal that's a long way off? Um, and really that's, that's the most important, significant part, I think of that whole thing. And if you were going to listen to this for New Year's inspiration, like that's where to begin and then decide if you want to listen to this one, this is a little bit more of the, uh, nuts and bolts of, of a couple different things I picked up, um, regarding how I ate and then a few other little tact, little, I guess, tactics. So that's, uh, just an explanation of what, what this is a part two of jumping in, um, we're gonna talk about diet. So, so the here's the big thing about diet this year. I I did not like 2020, and this is true for a lot of people, I'm sure, is probably the worst I ever ate. Uh, mm-hmm. I, sh- I should say since I've been plant based. Who 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 knows what a really bad plant based diet is like compared to a really good pla- good non plant based diet? It's that's up for debate, obviously. Um, and and you know, I guess I should be fair. I call it the worst I ever ate and call it a really bad plant-based diet. It, it honestly wasn't that. I still drank the smoothies, <laughs> ate the salads, you know, did did good things. Why are you laughing, Doug? 
Well, because <laughs> you keep backpedaling. You're like, worst I ever ate. And then it's like, well, you know, for a plant-based diet. And then they're like, well, you know, it really wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, I know. Because, I, I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. I, no. I did a lot of soccer driving. Ate, ate a lot of impossible mm-hmm. burgers. You know, uh, like I said, cooked homemade pasta a lot of times. Because it was yeah. fun, I was into this co- this cooking journey, and it just happened. So like it was a lot was of us. We leaned heavily on the on the processed food, and yes, and yes. I, you know, I I certainly did, and and ate a lot of, I don't know, just it it was like an excuse to eat an extra dessert or something, you know. Yeah, a lot of it was the world's going drink, to hell. Like, yep, drink alcohol in, yeah. in excess, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and like I like to think the food I was eating was kind of made with love. It's not like I was just lazy and threw together junk food. I mean. I, made good things but it just you know a lot of white flour and olive oil and stuff mm-hmm. anyway um so that happened and then but then this year has has probably been my my very best year i've eaten in maybe ever uh the started out a little bit rocky when i was alone in this apartment with holden when, when we moved to charlotte ahead of the girls um because he had to start soccer here and so i was it was crazy then so i was making a lot of microwave meals and stuff and that was not not so good but i did all right uh and that's what led me to getting into juicing and uh, fast, intermittent fasting, and all, and then I improved. But anyway, the whole point here is, if at the end of 2020, when I was really out of shape, uh, which I was, if I had said, "This is the beginning now. This 40th birthday of mine is the beginning of me changing my fitness, changing my diet, and also changing X Y Z habits," which is how a lot of people treat New Year's. Right. Uh, I'm I, I know it go yeah, vegan I right. mean, stop smoking stop drinking whatever it's just mm-hmm. a lot of stuff um as we've said yesterday like the one habit at a time rule still applies that that's really important uh but i realized something important here and that's that the diet change this year that is a, a very significant part of why I've, i think i've gotten so much healthier this year it happened as a result of the fitness change and i think that's what people a lot of times miss and, and i hope that that can give people some extra patience in being willing to take on just one habit at a time Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started this fitness routine within the very slow, gradual manner that we described yesterday. This first month was basically just 15 or 20 minutes of, of fooling around with the weights and working on form and no, no real thing to do, but just, just spend time with doing the weights or the kettlebell. Um, but anyway, so I started to gain fitness from that after, you know, say three months and that was now into the program. And at that point, uh, it like that made me, you know, obvi- like it, it's really hard to be very focused on working out and had that be a big significant part of your like fulfillment and your your focus each day it's hard for to do that uh without eventually realizing that like the foods you're eating are are of course going to either multiply those results or or completely squash them so that's what that sounds kind of obvious but to me like it it wasn't like that that was going to be a natural result of getting in shape was eating better i think often people try to do it the other way around They, they start eating well first and they lose some weight and then that motivates them to get fit um by going to the gym or whatever but it was this opposite for me and i think uh i would just encourage people to allow just understand that that could happen you don't have to change everything at once um one change can lead to another which can lead to another and uh and that's exactly how how it worked for me this past year yeah i think i think that's really important and i'm glad you mentioned that it works the other way around too um Mm -hmm. because i you know i have certainly experienced this i think that there's this there's this kind of playful thing that you see a lot on social media and maybe you experience it. I don't know. You just naturally kind of experience it yourself where, you know, uh, after you go for a long run or something like that, you earn this 
massive junk food meal or, or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, you know, I, I treated, this is my reward kind of thing for, um, for working out and, you know, and that's good. And I think that that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that and, and that can be fun and, and a nice reward. Yeah. Um, but what, beginning to. Like yeah, trying it, to form a habit that can help you do it. Exactly. Which is what I was about to say was, um, I think that when you're first starting out, that is a really kind of natural thing to do. It was partly because you, you in something and you're just ravenous and you're really yeah, hungry and right. you want whatever junk foods around. But as you get into a more, a, a better routine and a more consistent routine, I think a lot of people naturally just kind of stop doing that as much and, and start kind of cleaning up their diet because they know, you know, whether they're thinking about it or not, they know that, uh, you know, if I eat this, I'm going to feel a lot better during my run than if I eat that or mm-hmm. right afterwards. And, uh, I'm not going to immediately have to pass out. You know, I will, um, be able to go throughout my day and, 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 you know, feel just fine. Right. So I, you know, I think that, <clears throat> I think that there really is a natural connection between both of those. And, um, if you try to do them both at the same time, it can get really overwhelming and, and cumbersome. But if you focus on one first, then the other will often follow. Right. So that's that's very important to bring up. And I think what's actually really nice about what you said is that uh, I think this this ties back to the habit thing. I don't know if we mentioned it yesterday or not, but like a lot of there's the extrinsic versus intrinsic rewards. Like, should you give yourself actual rewards for your for your habits if the if those rewards are you know maybe not the healthiest thing you could do? Uh, and and the, the actual research says that like intrinsic motivation, the, the motivation from the thing itself is eventually what's going to be the thing that makes a habit last. But what very often happens is that at the beginning, you, you're not feeling that intrinsic reward from working out because it's hard mm-hmm. and you, you don't want to do it. Uh, but, but as that becomes a part of your life and you've rewarded it with treats or whatever it takes to, to get you to do it, once it becomes a habit and it becomes this thing you focus on, that in itself starts to become the reward. And the idea of eating a total junk food meal after that workout because that workout's so important to you now, would would feel like you, know, you start to. This is exactly what I did. You have this sort of moment where it's like, wow, like that that doesn't actually eating that way is not at all what I want to do because that's this workout's important to me. And I want to eat something that helps me and gets the most out of that. Right. So you sort of shift to that intrinsic reward thing, um, and that's really important. So the last point I want to make here, like we have said, we have said things like you know don't try to change both at the same time, referring to diet and exercise. Uh, instead pick one and do it. But what I think is important is like, if you're someone who has always tried to change one, uh, and you know, doesn't have success doing that, it, I think it's, I think it's not necessarily intuitive to think about changing the other thing first. Like if you're someone who just can't get yourself to eat differently, and a lot of people are like that, you just can't break whatever eating habits you have. Um, consider what would happen if you like knowing that that's a really hard thing to change for you, consider what would happen if you first change something that's easier to change. Perhaps, mm-hmm. hopefully, the fitness habit is, like going to the gym, running, whatever. Um, and if you can build that habit, then suddenly that gives you a whole lot extra incentive to want to change this diet. And perhaps perhaps it will be exactly that that you'll want to, that it won't be like some thing. And that's how it worked for me, is that I actually wanted to change. Um, and so I ended up eating a lot better. I love that. And that's actually something I haven't really thought much about, but you're, you're exactly right. And it goes back to what we talked about in part one, which was if you, if you, you know, if running is your thing, but you keep failing at getting a running habit going, like, even though it used to maybe be something in your past, mm-hmm. uh, then shake it up, you know, try something different, try a different sport or try a different mm-hmm. type of exercise. And you can, it's okay to let go of whatever it is you thought you wanted to do. And so maybe you have eaten well in the past or you have a diet that worked for you in the past, but you just can't seem to get back to it. Um, 
yeah, completely shake it up by by focusing on on fitness instead. Yep. I like it. Good. Um, and so, like, the specifics of my diet change, I don't think, are that interesting. Uh, we talked about them in an earlier episode, like a warrior diet episode. I think if you look for that one, you'll mm-hmm. find it. Um, and that it just basically involved intermittent fasting, not eating until noon each day. And when I did, I would start with juice. Uh, more or less, I've kept that. I've, I've at times added back food because I feel like I wasn't recovering quite as well as I could have. So I've eaten breakfast a little more often. Um, but, you know, largely for me, it was like this this idea of becoming okay with eating fewer calories. Because as I said yesterday, or last week in our previous episode, um, like I had always associated fitness with being big and like having a lot of muscle and supporting that muscle with lots and lots of food. So because of this, the the program I've been doing, this guy, Pavel Tsatsulin, um, like he talks a lot about this difference between two types of strength. And we, we talked about this as well in a previous episode, or sorry, two types of, of muscle growth. Um, one of which is, is like actually just sort of a, well, you know, what he says is more of what bodybuilder pump that you get. Um, which is kind of a fluid in your in your muscles, and that actually you know does enhance your strength a little bit, but mostly enhances your size. Um, and then there's this other kind that is that is really about the density of your muscles, like more fibers, uh, greater ability to to contract, and that's the sort of strength that he's worried about. So that, that's more about strength to weight ratio. Um, anyway, we have we've talked about that before. Uh, if you're interested, it's myofibrillar hypertrophy versus sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. So you can Google that if you feel like it. Um, but anyway, once I, once I realized that it was like, suddenly I, it was kind of fun to not have to eat a whole lot. And because I was doing a a fitness that was, you know, lent itself to this different kind of strength that wasn't about bulking up. So suddenly it was okay for me not to also be eating a ton of calories, which is good because that, that was sort of a conflict in my mind, making me think that yes, I'm putting on weight, but, uh, doesn't mean I'm, I'm healthy. So Mm -hmm. that really helped a lot. And then what happened was like, because I wasn't focused anymore on bulking up, I could focus on the opposite, which was losing fat. And because that can, you know, you can still have that positive result as you're gaining strength without bulking up. Um, And so suddenly I started to think of calories a little bit differently. It wasn't like every, you know, this extra 500 calorie bowl of cereal I could eat in the morning that I used to insist on eating if I was trying to get fit. Um, I realized I could cut that out and I could also, you know, not eat until noon or whatever. And then actually be eating fewer calories than I had before. And it turned out that, you know, that was just a really nice thing. It's just a different way of thinking about diet. And, uh, and for me, it was a really nice change and has worked, has worked really well. I've really been happy with it. We should do an entire episode on that subject. I think that's really interesting and, and, and mm-hmm. working out in a fasted state and, and all that stuff. And I think that'd be yeah, good. Yeah, that would be good. And one more thing is that, like, we've talked a lot about habit change. And, and this idea, Dan Butner contributed this thinking really to me. Uh, he's the Blue Zones author, and we had him on for his Blue Zones of Happiness promotion tour, I guess. Um, this idea that, like, it's it's hard to keep making changes that require willpower. It just, you know, it lasts for a while, and then eventually it just doesn't. It just goes away. You go back to your normal state, usually. Um, but if you can make sort of environmental changes or make make changes that, that make, make the right decision really easy from then on... Um, those tend to stick much longer, which is why he advocates moving to a new neighborhood if you want to be happy rather than like changing something you do. Uh, obviously, limited practicality for some people. But um, when it comes to food, like for me, I didn't exercise a lot of willpower around what I ate, but I just tried to like make my set point better. And, and two really good examples, and this is like thankfully due to technology nowadays, um, the like bonza pasta, which is made out of chickpeas, 
and Bonza Pizza Crust. This is, and this is the band, the brand Bonza. But you can get like I think Whole Foods makes some. I know Trader Joe's makes some, uh, and there are certainly other brands of like cauliflower pizza crust. Those things are really good nowadays. They used that stuff used to be not good. It just used to be terrible substitute for the real thing. Um, but nowadays, you know, you can you can cut out flour, white or wheat flour, um, from your diet, and and in many cases replace it with things that are that are made from beans or made from vegetables. Which to me, even when you're talking about whole wheat flour, the beans and the vegetables are a better food choice. Uh, so thankfully, technology and specifically this brand Bonza uh, makes that possible. So those were kind of like some of the the most impactful diet changes for me was just eating less white flour all the time or wheat flour mm-hmm. um, because my family like if we make pasta throughout the week which we often do we'll use the bonza stuff and then only on like a weekend special pasta meal will we do still just good old white flour and we'll usually we'll make something from scratch but uh yeah there's just like a kind of one of those easy changes that once i got used to it which didn't take much uh then it was like suddenly i was eating better so that that's been a really good thing we have not gotten on the cauliflower pizza crust chain train but um and and I, I I'm not totally convinced that it it tastes great. <laughs> maybe but maybe, maybe I can try it. Tried it though. I, that's true. I haven't tried it in a really long time. Yeah, so they used to not be good. Now now you can barely tell the difference. Okay, but we do, I love the the chickpea pastas and stuff. Uh, even mm-hmm. I think they even make like a black bean spaghetti uh, noodle that um, uh-huh. that it isn't it it does it definitely tastes different. Um, but yeah. uh, but you know but it's it's kind of a good little thing to experiment with and have fun with, um, but yeah the chickpea pasta huge fan of that for me and the kids and it tastes great and they don't really notice any difference at all and um, yeah good way to bring in nutrition extra yeah. nutrition and the bonza pizza crust I think if I'm not mistaken let me make sure here um, yeah it's made from chickpeas like that's not the cauliflower crust you can uh. get cauliflower crust but bonza's is chickpeas okay. Well, got to try it out. Yes. There you go. All right. Uh, I guess we should get to the second two here, but in the meantime, or before that, we should thank our sponsors. Hey, I like it. This episode is brought to you by 10,000, makers of high-quality, super-comfortable training shorts and shirts. Doug, I have run three races in the past six months or so, which is a new thing for me, getting back into racing, and... Every one of them, I've insisted on wearing 10,000. Uh, the shirts, sorry, the, the shorts all the time, the shirt two out of three times, including this most recent for the five-hour run, I wore uh, the full 10,000 get-up uh, because it's it doesn't, it just, it's just the best choice. And I didn't have any chafing issues. You know, did the, the standard lubing type stuff. If you're going to run five hours, you typically should do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it just caused me no problems. They're, they're really great stuff. The pockets are just what I need them to be. And... Uh, yeah, it just it's it's what I it's my race day outfit now is my is the gray ten thousand shirt and the white shorts. Me too. <laughs> I've I've only done one race, but no, I, I uh, it's just my go to every time I need a pair of shorts. Like I'm look looking for that one first. Yep, absolutely. At the core of ten thousand are three core training shorts built for all the ways you train: the interval short, which is versatile and great for hit, spinning, metcons, short runs, and anything else you can think of; the foundation short built for durability for tough gym days and outdoor adventures like Doug likes to take the session short, super lightweight, perfect for running yoga and mobility, which we'll talk about mobility in a few minutes, Doug. 10,000 is a direct to consumer company with no middleman. So you get premium fabrics, trims, and techniques that other brands simply cannot afford. Plus they collaborate with a team of over 200 athletes who test their gear to ensure the perfect design, fabric, trims, and fit. Just pick the short that is best for your training and then personalize it with custom liner and inseam options. Then get free shipping and returns and their special lifetime guarantee. 
10,000 is offering NMA radio listeners 15% off your first purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and enter code NOMEAT to receive 15% off. That's T-E-N-thousand.cc and enter code NOMEAT. This episode is also brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. They carry all of your favorite clean, nutritious brands that don't clean out your wallet. Shop everything from ethically sourced pantry essentials to non-toxic cleaning and beauty products. Each and every item is vetted by Thrive's highest standards, so you get the highest quality products at the best price. Plus, you can easily shop by diet, which this is really cool. So you can just click the, the vegan button or low sugar or non-GMO fair trade certified you know all that stuff you can you can sort uh products that are that fall under your your diet preferences which makes shopping as a plant-based eater as a vegan uh, that much easier and, and more enjoyable i love when places have a vegan button doug makes things, i love a good vegan button <laughs> it's just it's just a wonderful thing Still, yeah any kind of diet button is good no i just uh yeah absolutely makes <laughs> it makes everything just a lot easier it takes all the guesswork or and it, it makes it a lot faster too if you're like looking at new brands something like that you don't have to look at all the Yep. Uh, ingredient lists and all that stuff. So it's very great. Uh, and when you become a member, Thrive Market donates a membership to a family in need. Thrive Market has monthly and annual membership options to suit your lifestyle. They come in a giant sustainable box with all kinds of sustainable wrapping, and it's just wonderful to have all your pantry staples and all that good stuff delivered straight to your door. To get 40% off your first order and a free gift, join today at thrivemarket.com slash no meat. That's 40% off your first order and a free gift when you join today, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash no meat. All right, on to part five of this, uh, of this seven-part series. Six-part series? Seven-part series. This is part six, though. Part five was diet. Oh, yeah. Part so six. We're on to part <laughs> oh, we six. only had to. <laughs> tracking. Let's get tracking. Let's get tracking. That was my little pun that I wrote in the blog post. By the way, if you want to <laughs> see the text version of this, which is longer and more detailed, uh, it's at nomadathlete.com slash. Well, if you go to nomadathlete.com slash blog, you'll get there. Uh, but the actual URL is nomadathlete.com slash get back in shape with a dash between each word. Uh, so you'll see that. Anyway, um, yeah, so... You know, I've I've kind of been a non-technology type, especially when it comes to fitness. I've just I just have not really embraced it. I think uh, I don't know. A lot of people people go back and forth. People go. It seems like nowadays there are lots of people kind of coming back on technology and saying maybe we don't need all this stuff. Hopefully, where we'll end up is the place where we all use kind of just the right amount of the technology gets better and better, so it's not uh, not so invasive, and we still still lets us get the the you know mindfulness and other great things that come from from fitness and other activities while also giving us you know the great things that it can provide but anyway i uh i just never got into like the running apps or the the tracking of of fitness on social media i just never was my thing um and i thought too much data kind of messes me up but this year a big change I made was I got an Aura ring, the O-U-R-A ring. We're not sponsored by Aura or anything. Uh, and in fact, I have many old episodes of me uh, talking about how much I hated the Aura ring. <laughs> yeah, bashing because, the Aura ring, yeah. <laughs> Because it, it, like, I, you know, it really, for a while, ruined my sleep because I got obsessed with the data. And that's why I got it, it was a sleep, sleep reason. So my mom, I think, lent me some old one she had or my old, my sister's old one. I forget. But I had a borrowed Aura ring, and, and I tried it for a while, and I got... I got obsessed with it. It was like a gambling addiction. Every morning I would check the sleep and it started to impact how I slept because I was thinking, oh no, I'm not sleeping. I'm not going to get a good score. And it wasn't good. So I got rid of it. Um, but then I ended up getting it again 
just kind of got pulled back into it and then uh and then ended up buying a different one because I found out that they had activity tracking now and I thought that would be a, a really cool thing now that I'm you know doing more fitness it'd be great to see how that impacts my sleep um but it turned out that that was not the most useful part for me for most it, it really ended up being not about the sleep so much although I still use that the activity the activity tracking proved for me to be a really really great um benefit as far as keeping habits uh and the way this the way this showed up is like so when we talk about habits a lot we talk about I mean, I really think like when people say like what's the one thing that will make a habit last like what's the most important thing you can do and I'd say starting as small as possible is probably the number one most um but but right up there with it is you have to have some sort of accountability you have to have some check-in process procedure where at the end of a day or the end of a week or whatever it is you you have a point when you say did I actually do my habit or not so for some people this involves you know looking at a calendar on their wall and whether or not there's an x on there and that's their accountability it just it's not a formal process but it but they they have this thing staring at them that will remind them if they didn't do their habit um more practical, I think, in many cases, is like a on Sunday afternoon, kind of if, you, if you're trying to change a bunch of stuff, sit down, have a little meeting with yourself, an appointment where you go through and say, did I actually do these things and what went wrong? The problem if you don't have something like that in place is that you miss your habit one time uh, and then you, you know, something else goes wrong and you, maybe there's a little bit of now procrastination or hesitancy to, to return to, you know, open the book again or do whatever it is. Um, and then you miss two days, and then three, and then soon enough, very soon, you kind of forget entirely that you're doing this thing. Like you, it just you, it just goes away if you don't have this accountability, this thing that says every day you come back. Whereas if you did have that, let's say it was a running thing, and let's say every day at the end of the day you were going to write down whether or not you ran. Um, you know, soon enough after five or six days of writing, I didn't run today. Eventually, that's going to get old, and you will start running again, or you'll decide I'm I'm just not going to do this anymore. But at least then you've sort of been checking in. So. For me, the activity tracking function of this, because I was checking the activity all the time, I was checking it all the time for my sleep, um, I would also every single day see if I hit the activity goal for the day. And even if that wasn't my motivation, I didn't really care if I hit the aura activity goal, that wasn't that important to me, it still was a form of, of checking in and it would show me you know, whether or not I, like if I, if I hadn't done a kettlebell workout that day, for whatever reason, some days there's a day off it, but I could see the impact of that. Uh, and so that, led really naturally to me starting to like actually seek out little things that I could use to get more activity in. So at my son's soccer practices, I started doing little jogs like up a hill and it, and they would just be like five or 10 minutes, but running actually adds a whole lot of, of calorie burn to your day. Even if, if what you're doing already is like say strength training, um, it was a really significant impact. So that for me became, I don't know if addictive is the right word, but like there was this reward, there was this little feedback that was happening that, made it really kind of fun to to run. So I don't know, this is probably not new to a lot of people, but for me it was new, because like I said, I was not into technology. Um, but what this what this is, like it's not that it's not that the technology makes the fitness so addictive or or that it, you know, does much and interferes with my workout. It just is a form of of kind of automatic accountability for me. As long as I'm gonna be checking the Aura app, which I am because I care about it for the sleep reasons. Um, it's like this automatic feedback. And so because of that, I never really went through a long period where I didn't didn't do anything this year or last year. Um, because I was if if it was, I would see my activity score being zero for five or six or seven days in a row. And uh, and like, you know, it, like I said, if you keep seeing that, it, you eventually get tired of seeing that and you want to change it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I like this a lot, and and I have I've long been a uh, an electronics guy, right? I um, have used Strava for many many years, and before that was using Map My Run or or whatever it was uh, at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I think that there is a lot of value in in having the the like a lot of data about your activities, you know, so you can see how you're progressing. You can look back at your training, you can see where your weak spots are, that, you know, all that good stuff. But what I've actually been um, kind of leaning towards recently is, is not all the data, all the new technology and all the fancy watches and that kind of stuff, but instead mm-hmm. just the really simple act of tracking. Did you, did you, did you work out today or did you not? And um, I actually haven't been wearing a, a running watch uh, for months now, a year plus year, uh, at least now. But but my my everyday watch uh, has just like a, a movement tracker kind of thing, and it just tells me every day if I if I hit my movement goal of the day, and it has no idea if I'm. I get, it probably does have an idea if I'm running or not. Um, but it's it's not logging that stuff. It's not uploading the routes and all the speed and all that kind of stuff. It's just saying, did you move today or did you not move today? And uh, and that that to me is more motivating in many ways than, than having all the data of the fancy running watches. But, you know, like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a purpose for all of that and, and it can be important, but, and it doesn't even have to be, or, or let me back up. <laughs> uh, but the, just that simple act of like knowing, did I, did I hit it or did I not hit it has been really powerful. Um, and it doesn't even have to be technology, right? Right. You can, you can X out something on the calendar you can for uh, for a long time. Um, this was several years ago. In addition to the uh, electronic tracking stuff, I also kept like a, a paper log of of not all my stats and all that kind of thing, but just um, the route that I ran. And uh, and I loved that having this like paper route or this paper log of just the routes. And I would uh, I would see I'd have the date and then the route, and and it would be like in a calendar form. And um, and it was just kind of a fun thing more than more than a habit thing, but it was also a habit thing because it brought me a lot of joy to like look at that and see all these different places I had run. Um, and you know, so you can you can you can do it on paper, you can do it through something like an O-ring or a watch, um, or you can just uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, used to talk about putting paper clips in a jar, right? When you hit <laughs> certain things, um, certain goals, and that that also kind of does it to some degree. Yeah. So really, I mean, this tracking that I'm talking about is there are lots of reasons to track things, right? And and there's lots of reasons to track your progress as a runner or as a weightlifter. Um, the only one of those that I'm talking about here is the accountability part of it. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what actually matters. And it doesn't matter whether, like you said, whether that is a technological solution or whether it's a pencil and paper or whether it's the most classic of accountability is the accountability partner, having someone else who's doing their own goal. Maybe it's the same as yours, or maybe it's a similar one. And you know, you have a nightly or weekly phone call or or text or whatever it is that you ask each other if you did your thing or you tell each other about your thing. Um, I've done the the shared Google sheet with someone and you each go in there and fill in what you did each day and you just you're each filling out your own thing so the person knows you're gonna see their thing and they know you're, you're you know they're gonna see theirs. But like the important part is is that there's something there's some element to it that you know actually creates the accountability. And my my worry with like opening up your own logbook and saying that's my accountability is that if you just don't do it because it let's face it if you don't do your run that day it's pretty easy to say well i'm not even going to open that thing today i'm not going <laughs> to that's not gonna write that's that down. A good point, and yeah. then it goes two or three days and you just and then you forget all about it now if it's a visible book and it's there on your desk at least it's going to help you um keep bringing you back to it but i think like if you have something that is 
you know, even sort of beyond your control is going to be checking in on you like an accountability partner would. Uh, you know, that that's the real key to me is, is have something that is that even when you're not doing your thing, this thing keeps reminding you, hey, you're supposed to be doing your thing or hey, you, you're aware that you're not doing what you're supposed to do, right? You know, that that's that's what accountability is really about. And so I think as long as your solution has something in there like that, then uh, then that's all good. Added benefit for me of the uh, of the calorie calories burned tracking is specific because that's the way that the aura thing shows up. I mean, I guess it, it tracks steps, but mostly I was paying attention to calories burned. Um, it made it went along with the diet thing really nicely because, as I said in the diet part, like this was the first time I started actually thinking about eating less as a good thing as opposed to always trying to eat more to bulk up. Um, and so I, I started to like see what an impact having a 200 calorie beer, you know, had mm. on my net in and out. Not that I was tracking that stuff, and I don't think I'll ever be the type that's tracking calories in. It just seems seems very hard and not really the way food is probably meant to to be. Um, but like, it just made it a little bit easier to make good decisions at the end of the night. It was like I could either go to bed now or I could have this 200 calorie drink or snack or whatever. And it was like, well, you know, my run burned 300 calories. Like, do I really want to? undo that much of it not that it totally undoes it because there's more benefits than just calorie burning but it just made it easier to to kind of make make the choices and that came just really due to awareness that's all it was was added awareness of how much i had active burned in a day um and so that that was a kind of surprise benefit for me that i really didn't expect so i like i said not been a numbers person wouldn't have wouldn't think that that kind of thinking would would serve me but uh but for this past year it really has great I'm glad okay. to hear that. On to part On seven, the final part, part of this of this year of fitness of mine, um, and it's one that that I guess it's it's not the the most exciting part of fitness for sure. Um, it's not it's not diet. It's not the exercise itself. It's not the thing that's going to you know move the needle necessarily in the direction you're trying to move it. Um, but I think it's something that in the background of of those things allows you to keep keep doing the exercise that you like and that is mobility uh which i guess you could lump in flexibility with this but uh largely it's the ability to to you know move in any which way you want not quite any which way but like move in the ways you're supposed to move um to keep ramping up whatever your fitness habit is to you know more and more intense levels or um longer duration or whatever and avoid injury for as long as possible and that's by being able to move so this for me, like it became, I became aware that it was a big problem when I was doing Muay Thai classes back in 2019, I think. And I realized I just couldn't, I couldn't do like a roundhouse kick. Like I, I couldn't, it wasn't that I couldn't do it well. I just couldn't even hit like a target that was above waist <laughs> level when you're trying to, you know, it's like a kick where you turn and, and swing your leg around. Um, so like that side to side hip opening up movement, I just couldn't do it. Like my hips were just locked up. And so I had to do a modified version um, which was like a big surprise to me because I was, I never thought of myself as, as old yet for sure. And had always been a fairly athletic person and just had like never been the person who had to do the modified exercise. And here I was like, even among the other beginners and among people who were definitely not in as good, uh, you know, fitness, if we're, if we're not including mobility and fitness and I couldn't do the thing. And I had to be the only one who had to do a separate thing. So that was, uh, that was a big wake up call for me. And I thought a lot about why it was, and I figured, well, I ran for 15 years, and then I sat at a desk for five or eight years, uh, and that's basically been my adult life. If you think, you know, big picture, what my physical habits were, that that's it. 
so it's not really a big surprise that I don't have a lot of side-to-side hip mobility because in neither of those activities, you don't use hips in some sort of lateral fashion, unless maybe it's a serious trail running you're doing. Um, but I wasn't typically doing that. So it just got me aware that mobility was a big thing. And then if I didn't figure this out, I mean, it really hurt when I tried, because I tried to sort of kick through this pain and just figured I would just get better as I kept trying it, but I didn't. It just got tighter and tighter. And so the mm-hmm. whole top outside of my legs up into my hips would hurt so badly. And it was pretty clear to me that if I kept doing this, then it would lead to some kind of injury. I didn't know what, but it just it was hurting. And that was my body saying, you're not supposed to be doing this. So I realized that if I didn't fix this, uh, it was going to basically lead to this sort of vicious circle that like, you know, because like it would be demotivating for sure to not be able to do this Muay Thai activity that I was so excited about. So then that would, you know, or you could imagine that leading to less activity to me, not going to Muay Thai class as much, which actually did end up happening for other reasons as well, but that was a contributor. Um, And then getting even tighter because you're not, now you're not moving or trying to move at all. And then that means less activity and then, and so on and so on. And maybe in three or five years, uh, I'd be a very, very sedentary person who couldn't do a lot of things. I don't know, but it just occurred to me like what a, what a problem this could be. And, and what a big piece of longevity that I had kind of always ignored, uh, mobility really is like, as you, as you age, if you're able to keep moving and you're able to, you know, avoid falls, or if you do fall, fall in a way that, that, is safe for your body to handle. Um, I don't know. It just, it just, you know, you, you know, a lot of elderly people who they have a fall or they have an accident and then that's kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, so it just occurred to me that like this, this really has a big impact perhaps on lifespan and it became something that I wanted to make a priority. So what I did was I went and I had heard about this guy, Dr. Kelly Starrett. Uh, he's a CrossFit guy. I think he's owns CrossFit San Francisco and he's the author of the book, becoming a sep, becoming a supple leopard which is like a huge, thick book. I think it's 30 or 40 bucks on Amazon. Uh, when I got it, anyway, it was. But it's just loaded with mobility exercises. And not just exercises, but like background understanding of how the body's meant to move. Uh, and lots and lots of tests you can do to diagnose where you're lacking mobility uh, and, and just where you, you have imbalances and things like that. And so it's been a really great thing. I did not, when I got it, I did not really dive into it like I should have. But this past year... Um, for whatever reason, I just like, I guess with the kettlebell work and, you know, having little injury tweaks and things here and there, I just was motivated to get into it. And I really did. Uh, so my wife and I, she was back into running. She's got this 560 someday running streak now. Um, so she was kind of interested in this as well. And so we just got all this mobility, you know, lacrosse balls and mobility balls and bands and voodoo floss. And, uh, now we got the, what's the gun called, Doug? I forget. Theragun. Theragun. Got that. Uh, that may have been in the intro, actually, the missing intro of this episode. Ah, yes, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> or it could have been the day before, I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, so just anyway, now the mobility thing is a big piece of my life, a uh, big piece of my fitness routine, and it's something that I'm I'm really happy about. I just, I guess, I don't know, it's, it's hard for me to explain it, but it's like it literally now is a piece of fitness to me. So when I think this year about the goals I want to do, and I think about myself running some, some other race distances, um, and I think about myself continuing the kettlebell work and getting into some other stuff. Like I imagine a, when I think about what the year is going to look like and the time that's going to go into this, to me, it seems like a, a third of that time at least is going to be spent doing this stuff, right? Like learning how to become more flexible, more mobile, getting muscles soft instead of brittle, um, but also understanding how the body's meant to move and making sure that you've got the proper, say, torque in your legs when you're doing a deadlift or a squat. Um, and that's like, it's a real, it's a concept I've never had heard of before. 
But there's a lot of these things that, that you can sort of learn how to move properly and then eventually you groove that movement. Uh, and so for me, like that's the exciting vision for the future. And, and this is a nice way to kind of bring it back to the very beginning. Um, when I imagined what it would be like, you know, like if I'm turning 40 now, a year ago, uh, and I'm imagining what kind of shape could I be in when I'm 50? Like what would it take to be in better shape when I'm 50 than when I'm 40? It doesn't look like ripped, jacked muscles. It looks like someone who does a whole lot of sports, uh, is really active, burns a lot of calories, and is like really structurally stable and everything. And so like, to me, a huge part of it is is imagining how to be strong. So when I, when I think, or not how to be strong, how to be how to be mobile and, and be moving your body in the right, right way. And I think a lot of like, when I think about wanting to run races, as I referred in the beginning of this episode to, without doing a ton of long, slow distance training, like I want to be someone who is fit enough that as a consequence of fitness and mobility, I can do some decent length races without getting myself injured just because my movement is good. And that's that's what I imagine mobility playing. And, and you can imagine that working, obviously, in lots of sports besides running. But this thing where, like, you have this health, you have this fitness, and as a consequence of that, you can you can sort of dip your toe in different types of fitness and do well enough in them, uh, even without a lot of specialized training in those areas. I absolutely love this topic. It is not something I have personally dove into all that much, but I think about it all the time because it, it it's uh, I experience it every day, <laughs> you know, playing with the kids, getting on the floor, sitting down, you know, trying to engage with them up and down. Uh, you know, if I have tight hips, I can't sit crisscross applesauce um, all day. You know, I can't I can't do that all the time. If and I, and and getting up and down, uh, you know, is is <laughs> makes me feel old sometimes trying Definitely. to get up. And, yeah. you know? and, sure. uh, and and that's as I'm as I'm getting older, as I'm you know as everyone gets older like that's the kind of stuff where you need to actually pay attention to that you even if you are fit even if you are running even if you are going to the gym if you're neglecting that kind of thing then 10 years from now 15 years from now you're gonna really uh regret it i think um and unfortunately i have been neglecting it and but it's something that i've been thinking a lot about because because of that very reason um but and, and kind of along those same lines, I guess, Katie, you know, she's a yoga therapist uh, and works with a lot of older people. Uh, and a lot of what she does is mobility and, and, and stability. And you think about uh, as people are, are getting older, like you said, if you, if once, as soon as movement starts to decline, then everything else follows with it. And, um, and it just, it's one of those things that I think I would, if I could focus on mobility now, it would not only impact my day-to-day life positively today, you know, in the short term, but, um, it would also really set me up better as I'm aging and as I go into the next phase of my life. Yeah. I think what you said there is really important that like, like if you can imagine yourself, let's say you, you're turning 80 years old or 70 years old and you, you have the ability to run a hundred miles still now and then, which would be amazing at that age, mm-hmm. but, but it hurts you to, to sit on the floor or get out of bed every morning like I personally, I'd rather have the, the ability to, to do those normal movements and feel good than I would mm-hmm. to have some kind of extreme endurance or extreme strength. And that's what kind of got, as I was thinking about this, I was like, if I could have strength, endurance, or mobility, and I could just have one, and, and that would be like the, the foundation forever, uh, I would take the mobility for that reason. But also because, let's say you can have all of them, which one's most important. To me, if, if you push the strength too far or you push the endurance too far, there's going to turn out, they're going to 
these problems will sort of manifest in your body because you just you hit this limit. And if you had the mobility foundation, then it's going to at least at least lengthen the time uh, or lengthen extend the amount of intensity until those problems show up. Uh, so I think it is just as important as the others. Probably more important. Uh, and especially as you age, I guess I don't expect a 20 year old to hear this and be all motivated to go do mobility, but, uh, but certainly once you, once you have kids and you just start to feel yourself aging just a little bit, uh, I don't know. It just, it just has become a more of a priority. Great place to start, by the way, if anyone is inspired here, um, I mentioned Kelly Starrett in this book, uh, becoming a supple leper, which is, is like kind of intimidating place to begin. He's got another one called ready to run which I gave to my wife, Erin, for Christmas uh, just because she's focused on running, but she likes his stuff. And uh, it's, like a nice, it's like a nice entry point into this because instead of working on whole body stuff, he's got, like, as a runner, here are the 12 checkpoints you need to make sure that, you know, everything is good and you're moving properly in this way. And it's not, not a running form book. It's more of a, like, are you able to do this movement? Are you able to do this squatting movement properly mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. thing? Because those are what it takes to even be able to run with the the true you know proper running form um so check out ready to run if you want to get into his work and then eventually you're going to want supple leopard but uh ready to run good place to begin another place to begin is uh, right on the nomad athlete blog mm-hmm. uh, luke jones wrote a mobility article a long time ago luke is uh is a is a great athlete um and it's nomadathlete.com slash mobility if you want to check it out he has some some exercises and things you can do, uh, some simple things you can do and kind of incorporate into the rest of your training. Good. All right. Um, yeah, so that's that's where to begin. I don't I don't at all claim to have any expertise in this mobility topic. It is a new thing for me. Um, perhaps that's why it's been so impactful already, just because there's so much to gain because I haven't done any of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so I have to refer you to other resources, but uh, definitely something I would check out and something that will be a big part of my year for sure. Well, I like it. I like it, and I like this entire recap, this entire um, post that you've put together. Again, you can find it on the No Athlete blog or listen to part one uh, to get the kind of the, really the habit change stuff is really at the beginning. Um, yep. And this is this is kind of more practical advice in part two. Uh, but I really appreciate this, Matt. It's been, it's been fun to kind of go over it uh, now twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and and I don't know. It's it's got me thinking a lot about the next year and um, and what I want to do for 2022. And you know, I think that in, my my goal that we talked about earlier about incorporating more fun into uh, into everything I'm doing can really you know this can help with that in a lot of ways, both with uh, how I'm eating and um, you know fitness. And, and you know, as I'm trying new sports and kind of getting out of a box of, of being just a runner, um, you know, mobility is going to be a big part of that. Cause like, like you found with, um, with your jujitsu, what is it? <laughs> Muay Thai. <laughs> Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Um, yeah. you know, that, that you, you gotta have certain type of mobility, a certain type of movement, uh, to do different things. So yeah, anyway, in order to have fun, but you gotta have mobility to have fun. That's right. So anyway, thanks for thanks for doing this, and thanks everybody for listening. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for entertaining uh, me, Doug, while I talk about it, and uh, and I hope this has inspired other people too. It's definitely been good for me too to talk about it, think about it at New Year's time, uh, and think about what's uh, what's going to come in this year. So yeah, hope everyone enjoyed it, and uh, we'll be back next week. All right, all right. 